Hello everyone, my name is Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. Today I have a very special guest with me who's written an amazing book called The Real Brass Ring. She's like a midlife reinventionist um, and she has a really inspiring story. So please welcome Diane Bischoff-James. How are you, Diane? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for having me, Natalie. It's an absolute pleasure having you here. Now, Diane was actually also on our members-only SSA uh, call this month. Um, and if you'd like to find out more about our SSA membership and all the amazing things that come with that, uh, there is a banner here on this page. Um, and you can click on that to find out some more details about that. So uh, let's start, first of all, with your story, Diane, because uh, it's a very inspiring story, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners will uh, really you know, be able to relate to. Okay, great. Um, I was... Uh... I was just like everyone else. I was uh, 38 years old and I was working hard. I followed all of the rules that you're supposed to and I was a marketing consultant. I had a big house across from the lake. I was married. I had a couple of kids and I was working day and night, night and day. And I decided for my 38th birthday to go and visit Sonia Choquette, which is right now an international world-renowned psychic. And she pretty much, uh, during her session with me, told me that absolutely everything I was doing in my life was wrong. <laughs> Although I expected her to say that I was just the cat's meow and I was fabulous. What she basically said is that your marriage <clears throat> is fraternal. You do not have a heart connection. She said you're not pursuing the right path. Your career is what your dad wanted you to do, which is 100% accurate. And she said that you're supposed to be this writer, teacher, healer, author. And she said, spend some time every single solitary day writing your book so you can share your message with others. And I just pretty much stared at her and I, I started feeling sick to my stomach. I actually thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God what do you mean? I said, you're you're giving me like a zero on the human potential yardstick. And she's like, you know what? You're an unlit Christmas tree. You don't have one bulb firing in the right way. So I took her message to heart and I took more than 10 years. It took about 12 years and I totally rebooted my life. And since then I have uh, become a SAG actor. I still have my marketing business, but I also wrote a book called The Real Brass Ring about midlife transformation. It's all the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of going through these huge shifts in life. Um, I did end my relationship, and I'm now engaged uh, with a fabulous man and enjoying that. And my kids have very successfully and um, fairly seamlessly gone through a divorce. And now I'm launching a, a speaking career, and so that's going very well, and I'm booked pretty much through the end of the year. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, um, uh, we need to back up a little bit, because you mentioned that you're now a SAG actor. Now, yes. I'm sure that most people think, well, to become an actor, you need to start young, and you need to you know, be in your 20s and put in the hard yards. Um, but uh, I'm assuming you were in your 40s. Uh, when you were involved in your acting career. So so you must have been working against the grain there. How did Tell us about that story. Well, at the time, I was also hugely overweight. I was about 190 pounds, and I had not been on the stage since high school. Of course, I was, you know, the high school superstar of acting, like always. But my dad said, that's a lousy career. You'll never make it. And so I hung up my acting shoes. I hung up my acting shoes starting actually in college, although I'd always had an interest in it. So um, I took a look at myself and I said, okay, well, you're very overweight. <laughs> you don't have any experience. You don't have a headshot. You don't have a resume. 
And quite frankly, I didn't have any experience either on stage or on camera, but I decided that that wasn't going to stop me. <laughs> so I kind of laced myself up at the time. I also have to add, I went to this program called the Hoffman Institute where they helped me emotionally deal with the fact that I had not addressed anything authentic in my life. I found a new self. I found self-love. I found self-appreciation. So I took all this newfound juiciness inside for myself. I knew that I had great potential. So I kind of cinched my belt up. I put boots on. I put on a big puffy skirt. And I decided to audition. And I picked my birthday, which was a year actually after I had seen Sonia. And I went to audition for community theater because I had to start somewhere, so I started small. And I went to audition for Oliver. And for the first time in about 15, 20 years, I actually, in front of a group of 10 people, sang a song. I sang Wouldn't It Be Loverly. And um, quite frankly, it was so bad. <laughs> I cr almost crawled out of the room. Um, I was embarrassed. It, I, I was screeching and pitching all over the place. But I didn't really care. I was so proud that I just showed up that I went home and I said, someone's going to call you. I know that they're going to call you and give, you, give me this huge part. And um, I waited and, and I waited and then I waited and I waited. I waited like seven days and um, I finally got the phone call and the woman said, we have a role for you. And I said, oh my God, thank you. And she offered me townsperson one. And I was just delighted. I was so happy to get the role of having like two words to say on community theater stage that that was it. I won my Academy Award and my life was over, uh, you know, so I could celebrate for the rest of my life. And so from that point, though, of course, with these little baby steps, I did my townsperson one role with joy. I lost 50 pounds in that one performance because I was working so hard and so happy to be there. And then that led to another role, led to another role, led to another role. And then I decided I wanted to do on-camera work, found my way into Chicago without, a, without any background, and I did it all purely from the heart, purely because I love being there. And I think that that's part of the reason that it, that it worked for me. And, I, and it was just fairly, I'm very lucky, very, very lucky. It was fairly seamless. Right. Now, I know that, uh, that you also use Law of Attraction um, in this whole reinvention part of your life. So tell me more about like your manifestation process. Like, what do you, How do you apply Law of Attraction to this? Well, the first thing that I had to do was clean up my thinking. And I had a lot of stinking thinking. So I was very clear up front that I was going to manage that and be careful about everything I thought and everything I said. And one of my techniques is I actually put a little band around my wrist. And every time I was about to say something negative like, oh, they're never going to call me in for an audition, I would snap it. So I had more awareness. And I ended up snapping it probably for the first couple months to the point where I actually bruised my wrist. But eventually, eventually, I got very mindful about how I was crafting my thoughts, how I was crafting my words, and I always was reaching for that next thought that was the next positive thought. So I used a lot of words like perhaps, <laughs> like perhaps, perhaps they'll find something in me that fits their mold, or perhaps they'll, perhaps they'll notice that I'm really got the right voice, or I'm just very enthusiastic about this. Same thing happened for work. If I wanted a new client or I needed some more money, I would use the what if. What if I had just enough money to support us for the next six months? Imagine how relaxed I'd feel. And the funny thing is, the more I recrafted my thoughts and ideas and the way I spoke about things, 
the quicker things started coming in, I started making a lot of mental notes. And I have a lot of practices and techniques I'm putting together, actually, for a second book that I'm working on right now that's all about these very specific techniques. And um, I call it the I want list. And I have an I want list, and I put it someplace I always can remember. Kind of ties in with your mind movies, but it's it's more in the old-fashioned, just a few, a few key things. And I put it in a place where I can always look at. And that's something that I always go back to. And the funny thing is every six months... I've noticed that I'm able to actually pretty much get almost every line item checked off on my list, and then I get to create a new one. Yeah, no, I love that because the the I want list. It's you know, and when I talk about people to two people about law of attraction and moving forward and and uh, creating different things. I mean, we create new things in our life not because we need them or because we're greedy or because you know of whatever reason, but we do it because we can. Because it's like this challenge that you can. You challenge yourself to step outside your comfort zone and to to, to strive for something else. Um, and to me, that's what life is all about. It's all about the experience. It's all about the contrast, and it's all about stepping outside and really knowing that you're alive, which I really love. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. And sometimes I I do look at it as a game. Um, I think people call me sometimes crazy, but crazy in a good way because I don't know that there's things I can't do. <laughs> because if I if I we, for example, we decided to offer inspirational, motivational products, and just very recently, we've been going to expos. Not only for I've been invited to speak, but I said, "Let's become a retailer." And someone said, "What are you doing, becoming a retailer?" I said, "Because I can." Exactly what you said. Because I can, and it's really fun, and it's one of the ways that I've been able to meet so many wonderful people. And I just kind of wanted to market test these products and see if anybody liked them and if they were attractive. And next thing you know, we're out with, you know, sitting in a booth <laughs> peddling wares. And it's really fun for me, and I really enjoy it. So I love experimenting. Yeah, no, me too. Now, I, I know that um, going through, you know, um, a change, you know, you're out of your marriage, you're going into this new part of your life. Um, I think for a lot of people who are faced with that situation, uh, one of the fears they have is, well, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I take the wrong path? So what are some of the, the signs or some of the things that people can do to really know that they are on the right, you know, taking the right, you know, road? Well, I look at all of that pretty much as a cellular discovery because uh, I can feel it now. I, I can't say I always could. I was trained to not feel for most of my life, probably 40 years of my life. Everything I felt was wrong, and I would just literally shut it down, put it away, stuff it, get rid of it. Now I actually kind of try it on. It's like trying on a new pair of shoes. I, I try. I love to look at everything as an experiment because if you try on that new pair of shoes, no matter what it might be, whether it be um, literally trying on playing the piano or doing something a little bit different, um, I believe that there's actually a formula that works for each of us in every situation. And so I'm always trying to look for my formula. And what I found is when I find my formula, that formula seems to stick for me. You know, whether it be I know I don't do well if I have if I don't get seven hours of sleep, or I know how to talk to my kids in a way where I know I'm gonna get a good result, or we, we, we try to I actually try to share with my children too what their formula is that's successful for them. Because I think each of these little things have a success formula for us personally. So I'm always experimenting and trying to craft it. And if I find it doesn't work or the formula is not working, I literally put it in a really light category. And I'm like, yeah, we tried it on, didn't work, those shoes didn't fit, and I put them off to the side and I just 
no, I don't even think about it again and I try something different. So I'm, I'm very big on keeping everything very light and very fun and not taking it all so seriously. I think that helps too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think we, we also want to talk a little bit today about, um, you know, that like the some of the fears that you may have faced. Um, I know that we had spoke earlier on our call um, and, you know, one of the fears that I faced you know, uh, after the separation from my husband was that, uh, you know, that I'm a failure now and why would anyone listen to me because I'm supposed to have all the answers. Um, so what were some of the fears that you faced and, and how were you able to move through them? Well, I think I faced all of the fears if there's a big bucket of fears. I think I've had them all. I think I've had, uh, I've actually had the fear, of course, that I'll be alone for the rest of my life. I've had the fear that, uh, no one, of course, will ever want me. I've had the fear, actually, of being successful. What would happen if I actually do get what I want? And then I've had the fear, which is one of my bigger ones. What if everybody hates what I put out there in the world? What if everybody hates what I do and I'm a huge failure? So I think that there's two sides to every fear stick, and I think I've covered pretty much all of them. Um, I also have had a lot of fear, which is pretty interesting. I've had fear that either socially I'm just going to be rejected or my family's going to hate me and my family will never talk to me again or you know my life will never be the same so I've had every single one of them that you could possibly imagine and and one of the things that I, I was able to share with this sh on the show is that I like to use little techniques that kind of move me through the fear so I like to imagine myself like if the fear is a smoky dark fog I like to face it straight on and I kind of walk through it and I try to dissipate it and the funny thing is it really seems to work for me because I sometimes have to turn around and then I walk back through the fear again, whatever that fear might be, and it does get a little lighter. And then you walk through that fear again. And literally kind of in my mind's eye, I imagine it completely dissipating. And then the second part of it is, of course, I always go to what's the worst case scenario. And one thing came when it, when it came to writing the book, I was terrified that everybody would hate it or they'd find it stupid or nobody would like it. And then I remembered a really, really simple goal. I made my goal very manageable, very small chunk. I said, if my daughter and maybe one of her friends find that this helps them in their life, I kept it really small, then I win. So if two people, just two people, find this to be valuable or positive, then this is a winning case scenario for me. And, and the truth is, my goal was so small, it was pretty easy to accomplish. And since then, it's been very, very positive. I've had so many uh, men and women come and say, I can relate to the fact that I had to go make face some really difficult choices in my life. I had to change my career. I lost my house. I've had people say that, you know, they've, they've lost relationships. They had friends that they had to shift out of because they weren't healthy relationships or they had to go through all kinds of crazy dating relationships and I've been through some crazies on the dating side, been through some great guys and some crazy guys and so it was nice because I just found that because it was relatable that was enough for me. That that just made me happy. So I try to keep everything in, in more of a, a, a giving and a light perspective. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent advice. Uh, now we are at the end of our, our show um, and as I predicted, this has went very fast. But uh, if people want to find out more about you and maybe purchase your book, where can we send them, Diane? I have a website. It's called liveyoureverything.com, and it has it's it's a sanctuary for midlife transformation, and it's brand new, so it will be growing. But it has motivational, inspirational products, tips, and I kind of want to be an integrator and help everything that helps people stay young, live 
happy and joyful on this site. And the book is also available through the website, um, which you can go right through to Amazon. And the book is called The Real Brass Ring. Wonderful. Thanks again, Diane, for joining me. Now, guys, I encourage you to share this video. You can do that by clicking the Facebook in the Twitter share buttons on this page. Um, also, download the app if you haven't done so already so you can watch the shows on the go. You don't necessarily have to be in front of your computer. And if you haven't done it already, make sure that you leave your email in the box on this page because I'd like to send you the Manifesting with the Masters video e-course. It has masters like Bob Proctor, John Asraf and Joe Vitale. It's actually valued at $87 and I would love to send it to you for free. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously and love without limits. We'll see you soon.